It's April 2020. It feels as if the world has shut down over the last month. Bound by restrictions and stay-at-home orders, we seek to find creative solutions to normally simple tasks. Everyday routines like going to work or school or even to the grocery store are wildly different than they were three months ago, and sometimes not possible at all. Millions of people are unemployed. Some are fortunate enough to work from home, which comes with its own challenges. While some industries can continue to function using tools like Zoom and Slack, video conferencing is not designed to support theater professionals and productions. This is staggeringly evident, as performances around the globe have been postponed or canceled altogether. Broadway shuttered its doors weeks ago, and no one knows when the house will open for audiences again. For theater students and educators, the challenge to adapt teaching and developing their craft feels insurmountable, given that live performance is its distinguishing factor. Big name shows, casts and crews can't make it work, even with all their experience, so we wonder, how can we here at Curry College, a small liberal arts school south of Boston, take the live out of live theater while maintaining its integrity and its heart? How, in less than a month, can students and their instructors learn to produce a show without sets, lights, costumes, or even a stage? The Curry College Theater Department asked this exact question. The school transitioned to online learning at the end of March, and their black box production was subsequently canceled. With the show only two weeks away from opening, the loss felt even more heartbreaking. However, we would soon discover that all hope was not necessarily lost. Theater's weird, first of all. Deciding there that a radio play was at all a possibility and actually kind of exciting um, and almost historical in a way, you know, sort of like revisiting that old golden age. And mm -hmm. it's, it's a really unique opportunity to explore a completely different dynamic of performing, which I'm excited for them to really tap into. The entire time between getting booed off campus and hearing that email from y'all, I did not look at my script because I thought it was dead. But it's something that lived in you for a long time and I have no doubt that you are going to reconnect with the character and with the script. This is Blackout, the dilemma of digital drama. I'm your host, Betsy Goldman. This is episode one, Setting the Virtual Stage. Follow along as the educators and students from Curry College Theatre attempt to adapt their stage shows into radio dramas without expertise or even experience with digital audio media. Uh, hi, I'm Mark. Should I say my last name? How much yeah, detail should I give? Should I be thoroughly detailed? Cool. Don't give us like your waist size or whatever, like but whatever feels right to you for a podcast. Paul and Mark are seniors serving as student directors of the spring black box show after fulfilling the necessary prerequisites. So I guess some of the background on this is that student directed plays have always been a part of Curry Theater for a while now, at least since we've been there. Yeah. And they're kind of like an every other spring deal. And once you've completed the directing class at Curry, then you become eligible to direct. And so a couple the, pre of so the prerequisites are a bit difficult. 
Yeah. And then it's something that's not around very often. Right. Paul is directing Trifles by Susan Glassbell, and Mark is directing 12 Pound Look by J.M. Barry. Both are one-act plays set in the 1920s. While they did not anticipate directing a radio drama, both of them have taken on this new endeavor in stride. This specific portion of the show yeah. becoming like a podcast and everything, that was Betsy, I believe, right? Absolutely, yeah. Oh yeah, that was Betsy. I, well, I gave them two options when we met. Um, I gave them two options because it's a class because I'm, you know, I'm contracted to do the class and they are signed up to get credit for the class. We had to move forward. So I told them we could go one of two routes that I had come up with or that we could come up with some other things together. One was that we could sort of back off the practical and move to the academic where they could create directing books, um, kind of block out the whole thing more theoretically if they had all the money in the world and whatever cast they want, you know, like kind of more theoretical, um, but based in, in academic, um, an academic understanding of, mm-hmm. of directing. Um, or we could turn it into a radio play and track our progress. Um, and they seemed jazzed about the radio play. So that's what we did. With Paul and Mark on board, it was time to tell the casts. We shared the news during a Zoom meeting with both casts, directors, stage managers, and all educators involved. The crowd's reactions were mixed. Some people were confused, some were excited, some were concerned about adding to their already busy workloads. Overall, the reaction was tentative excitement. Students were encouraged to see this not as more work, but as an opportunity to reconnect with their casts, characters, and their love of performing. It was clear that seeing each other's faces brought them joy during this uncertain and often hopeless time. With the announcements made, rehearsals over Zoom began. Yes, I had not forgotten that. It was my name too, you see. It was your name, until you forfeited the right to bear it. Exactly. Rehearsing over Zoom brings its own complications to the already difficult rehearsal process. It's hard to hear everyone. On certain thoughts, it pleases me. There is a grim justice in this. Tell me. Do you know what you were brought here to do? There are lags and there's background noise. It's hard to feel genuine connection through a computer screen so far from your fellow actor's facial expressions and body language. You come to me on this day as my servant. I almost I, just stood up. Might, what? I almost just stood up because it says to stay. <laughs> <laughs> actors use their entire bodies to better project their voices, to convey their characters' moods and motivations, to bring the material to life. On Zoom, you don't actually know who is looking at who, rendering meaningful eye contact practically impossible. These are all known challenges of producing audio content. In fact, radio shows of the past were recorded with all actors in the same room or studio to mitigate these issues. Even most podcasts today are recorded with hosts and guests in the same room. Unsurprisingly, our first rehearsals were a little rocky. 
I want to hear from each of you how you're feeling. Do you feel reintroduced to the character? How are you feeling in this environment? Um, honestly, by like the end of Kate and Lady Sims dialogue, I was like a little on the inside choked up because I was like, I haven't done this in so long and I wish I was doing it on a stage. So I got like a little sad for a minute there. It's a little sad because like I as like I'm reading through it, um, I was like, oh, and here I stand here. I do that thing. But I, I couldn't. And it made me a little sad, to be honest. I think that this will work. But it made me a little cool. sad. Yeah, um, it was really weird, but um, cool. Um, it's just it it would be easier if you were doing it on a stage. Yeah, that's something we're just gonna have to roll with. Unfortunately, I agree. I'd love to put you guys on a stage. Um, for a selfish reason, I'm petty that I can't put it on a stage. Um, I feel personally attacked, but um, it is what it is, and we're gonna roll with the punches, and it'll be it'll be great either way. The actors are learning to use their entire bodies to better project their voices. So I, one exercise I kind of like for you guys to maybe experiment with as you're reading your lines, sit down at a desk with the script in front of you and don't stand up and really just punch into your voice as you practice and as you rehearse. Um, what's up, HP? Um, I have a, a potential recommendation that something sure. that might help with us using our voice. Um, something that I would recommend, like doing little movements, like like if you have a movement you can do that won't require you to go away from the mic, like a, a facial expression or like a whatever. Um, doing it will change how you say it, and it will the audience will be able to hear the movement without hearing the movement. That's actually a great point. Some voice actors really like the mannerisms of their character might be based on what they're doing as they're recording in the booth. And because we are, there's no audience anymore. Sometimes I know this for myself. Sometimes I get embarrassed of making a fool of myself on stage by doing like ridiculous movements. Ain't nobody watching you now. So when you're practicing, go nuts with your movements, really over exaggerate because that might translate into a natural communication over the recording. The novelty of a backstage peek into each other's homes wears off quickly. We realize the comfort of the couch prevents our actors from giving their best performances as they slouch in front of their screens. Typical rehearsals take place on a stage or at very least a dedicated room. The lack of a dedicated space to rehearse has a significant impact on the mood and motivation of each other's performance. Actors and directors will tell you that everything changes when you get in the space. When entering the physical realm in which the show will take place, the cast and crew can feel the energy shift, or maybe they create it themselves. The production feels more real as you practice the show in the place where it will eventually happen. Feeling the heat of the lights or smelling the sawdust from the freshly built sets as you look out at the empty seats in the audience, you can imagine the rush of energy you'll feel when those same seats are filled. This time, there will never be a space to get into. The couch or the desk or the bed or the floor is the only stage that each actor occupies in their own little square on the screen. The only lights are the lamps in the living room, and the costumes are the same sweatpants worn day in and day out. We lose the anticipation, 
the electricity of making make-believe real for an audience and for each other. So what's the point? It would be much easier to simply let the shows go and try again next term. Surrender them as two more casualties of COVID-19. There are other ways for students to fulfill the credit requirements that do not involve this awkward and uncertain digital experiment. Uh, when in a point where I definitely was kind of at my lowest during this whole ordeal, and I was like, oh, that sounds really fun and something yeah. to actually get involved in again. Mm. And, it was, and it's been wonderful. <laughs> during this unprecedented time, there are adjustments that need to be made. Sometimes this means sacrifice. We give up socializing with friends. We give up spontaneity. We give up our own way of living. The challenges we face during this pandemic are unlike any we've known. No one would blame us for giving up. Some might even encourage it. Why continue pouring energy into a theatrical reality when our reality right now feels theatrical? Why don't we give up? So yeah, I don't know. I really like it. It's a fun experience. I'm glad you like it. It's funny. I told, I was, um, I can't remember who I told this, but Mark and Paul, you'll remember that like maybe last week I was like, oh, I don't know. The podcast is feeling like more work than it's worth. And like, maybe we shouldn't do it. Maybe we should just do a couple of follow-up things at the end or whatever. And then I told this to Eli and they were like, it's the only thing giving me purpose now. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, we're going to keep doing it. <laughs> don't you dare take this from me. Yeah. It's like, if I don't do this, I, I literally just like, all I could do is clean my house. And I like, really don't want to do that. Because giving up would mean giving in to isolation. For many of us, this project provides much needed structure and connection. It's normal important part of the process to feel that sadness. Um, there's like an article going around that's like that weird feeling that you're feeling is grief. Um, <laughs> there's, you know, there's a lot of loss that's happened. Um, and doing this as a radio play is not going to replace that loss. Um, and so I appreciate so much that you're communicating that sadness um, because that means you're feeling things and that you're recognizing the things that you're feeling and that's imperative to moving forward. And that's not necessarily moving on uh, and away from all of the things that we're feeling, but you know, we're uh, doing the best that we can to make some lemonade as sour as it might be. Um, so, uh, there you go. Thank you for sharing your um, your thoughts. And it's weird and it's going to be weird. And this is like, we, none of us have ever done this before. You know? So we're going to figure it out. And it's going to be fine. Maybe. Maybe not. I guess we'll find out. The process brings about mixed feelings for everyone involved. There is tangible loss juxtaposed with the sense of unity we've all sacrificed as we remain quarantined in order to keep ourselves and others safe and healthy. Between unstable internet connections, conflicting schedules, lack of motivation and morale, the odds sometimes feel stacked against us. Regardless, we are committed to seeing this project through. 
We plan to release fully edited recordings of both shows as the final episode of this podcast when our semester ends around the second week of May. Over the upcoming weeks, we will use this podcast to track our progress towards this goal. We will share the challenges we face as we adapt to this new format. We'll explore voice acting, technical issues, losing and gaining actors, and of course, the roller coaster of emotions that accompanies any theatrical process. So join me, Betsy, next week on Blackout. Special thanks to Curry College, Marcy Holbrook, Will Davis, and Emily Denon for their support and assistance. This episode was edited by Eli Singer. Music by Will Davis, David Hillowitz, and Audio Binger. <laughs>